From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. I'm Ms. Rachel. Hi, how are you? I haven't seen Good you in a while. Yeah, how are you? Good. All right. We're hopping in an Uber Black with uh, a, uh, a driver who's been, is a longtime driver in D.C. This is Rachel Holt. She's a general manager and vice president at Uber, where she heads up the U.S. and Canada business. She oversees a massive portfolio with more than 200 cities under her belt. In a quarter mile, make a right turn on DuPont Circle Northwest. But it wasn't always that way for Rachel. She first joined Uber to set up the company's Washington operation in 2011. What year did you uh, start driving on Uber? Was it 2012? Twenty thirty years. Yeah, 20. Back then, Hoover was so small, Rachel knew most of the drivers in D.C. Seven years later, the company is very different. It has a new CEO. The search for the next CEO at Uber, over. Now, Uber's been without a CEO since its co-founder, Travis Kalanick, stepped down from the job. Uber's board reportedly named Expedia Chief Executive Dara Khosrowshahi as its new CEO. It survived scandal after scandal. Uber promises an urgent investigation into sexual harassment claims made in a former employee's blog post. In May, the Justice Department opened a criminal investigation to a secret Uber grayball tool. The tool was used allegedly to evade local regulatory authorities in cities like Portland. And Rachel has come out on the other side. When I started, there were three of us uh, in in D.C. um, And today, you know, we have uh, hundreds of employees across the U.S. and Canada business. We sat down with Rachel at the Uber offices in Washington to talk with her about all the new directions the company has taken. You know, I joined Uber when I was 28. And all the new directions she's taken with it. Over the last six and a half years, I've gotten engaged, gotten married, and had two kids now. uh, Two girls. Stay tuned for our interview with Rachel Holt. On the podcast, we'll be bringing you real talk with women bosses, asking how did you make it and what advice would you give a woman looking to lead? If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter at DC. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866. Women Rule is produced by Politico in partnership with our founding partners, Google and the Tory Burch Foundation. I want to give you a heads up that I'll be in Austin for South by Southwest in a couple of weeks. I'm going to do a live episode of Women Rule on March 12th. And we're going to be interviewing not just one, but two really interesting women. We're chatting with Wendy Davis, who's a former Texas state senator, who you probably remember from her long filibuster on the floor where she wore sneakers and became famous. She's also the founder of Deeds, Not Words, a group of passionate people helping young women take action on women's equality issues. And I'm also putting on my food fangirl hat, talking with Christina Tosi, the founder and CEO of the award-winning bakery Milk Bar. If you want to come see us live, visit southbysouthwest.com where you can purchase a badge to see not only us, but all the inspiring conference sessions, music, films, and other awesome stuff they're doing down there. And now, our interview with Rachel Holt. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. You run U.S. and Canada regions for Uber and have been a manager of the company since 2011. Tell us just about your current role. What does it encompass? What does that mean? Yeah, so really... um, 
you know, today I manage the the U.S. and Canada business, and that's really everything that touches our riders, drivers, or cities in the U.S. and Canada. So uh, my day um, is is very, you know, it could it looks very different. Every day looks different, but it could be, you know, one of the big things I've been working on is is our 180 Days of Change campaign, uh, which is something uh, that we're working on to really change the driver experience uh, in the in the U.S. and Canada. Um, or the, the, you know, the next day I could be uh, looking at a regulatory challenge that we're having in a city. Uh, so it's really, really broad. Uh, it's a really broad role. The way we have always described our GM roles, and that was the, the role I had um, when I started at Uber, is the CEO of the city. So you're really uh, doing everything having to do with building that business in, in a given city. And when I started, there were three of us uh, in, in D.C., um, and today you know, we have uh, hundreds of employees across the U.S. and Canada business. Wow. So talk about this 180-day campaign. What's the goal? What are you trying to do with that? So, you know, when we um, when we set out on the 180 Days of Change campaign, it was really all about, we started by just listening. We did focus groups, surveys with thousands and thousands of drivers around the country. Um, and from that, we built um, built a campaign that had seven different chapters. So the first chapter was when we launched in-app tipping, um, which was something that uh, we hadn't previously had in the app. And I think, you know, that had been the number one feature that drivers had asked for. So and if you were a good driver, you can get paid more based on whoever your rider is. Yeah, I think it was really about uh, feeling like going the extra mile was being acknowledged. I'm being acknowledged in many ways by Uber. Um, but it went really way beyond that. So um, we launched a 24-7 phone support for drivers. And when you've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of drivers uh, across the country, it's actually not not that easy um, to do. But we built it out. And I feel like we, you know, that has been a core piece, you know, another core piece of, of that experience. As you said, Uber has obviously grown a ton. I mean, you know, and it's changed a lot of cities and transportation in cities. Uh, a lot of highs as a company. Uh, you know, in 2017, there were some lows. Obviously, you know, the CEO left um, over reports of sexual harassment uh, and different issues. Talk to me. I mean, you've been here since 2011. What was it like to work through that time period and maybe come out on the other end of it? So, you know, when I joined Uber in, in 2011, there were 30 people here. Um, it was, uh, you Gosh, know, it's so crazy to think about. It. <laughs> you know, when I when I joined, I wanted to, to be at a startup. Now I work at the biggest company I've ever worked at. So, uh, you know, seeing that growth, um, you know, has been has been incredible. Um, and I think some of what has what were challenges that we um, faced in 2017 was really a result of that growth. So, you know, there there is truly no other company that I know of who has ever been seven years old and had 15,000 employees. And so what that meant is there were places where we were actually super advanced, even, um, you know, for a seven-year-old company, but way behind where we needed to be as a, as a 10 or 15,000 person company. And so I think what 2017 was really about for us was um, – it was learning about some of those places where we were not, um, you know, where where we were not up to par, um, acknowledging some of the critical mistakes that we made, um, and figuring out how, as an organization, we were going to come out a, a, a much better company. And you know, we we've always had an incredible business, and I think what 2017 has um, 
led to is the opportunity to be an incredible company. And, and I think what I've seen in the back half of 2017, what I've seen um, in terms of just the dedication of our leadership towards um, towards changing, and and really the the energy and passion of our employees towards being a different company is incredible. And I think that's what's going to make that's ultimately what's going to make us successful. Did you ever think about leaving? I mean, so many women, when they have these kinds of situations that maybe are cultural or are certain figures, they do kind of go through this process of like, do I want to stay and stick it out and, and, and change it? Or do I just time to leave? I mean, obviously, a lot of people did leave. You know, for for me, I saw, you know, and I think the people who, who stayed or even the people that have joined over the last year, and we've had some incredible women leaders join over the last year, are the types of people who want to be part of building something new and want to be part of building something great. And, you know, I, I feel like I have an opportunity in my role um, to, to play a big part in that. Um, and I think the leaders that have joined, whether it's, you know, Leanne, um, our, our head of um, HR, or, or Francis Fry, or Bose um, on the brand side, you know, and the leaders that have stayed are the, are the types of people who want to be part of building something new and something better. So talking about that new chapter, you have a new CEO uh, who you've been working closely with. What's that been like? Kind of what's your role? How much interaction do you have with him? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot. So um, over the last years, um, when we, uh, after um, after Travis resigned, uh, you know, there was a 15-person um, leadership team that was really, uh, you know, directing the company. Um, while I would not say that there are going to be business books that are going to be <laughs> written uh, recommending a 15-person leadership team, I actually think that was a critical um, moment for us as well, because what that, what that did is you know, as an organization, I think we were way too siloed. And I think that was something that we, uh, you know, knew needed to change as we move forward. And so when you have 15 people who are working together to actually run an organization, what that means is there is no opportunity for silos. And so I actually think in some ways that, um, you know, perhaps sort of challenging uh, organization structure actually set us up really well for for Dara to be able to come in um, and at least have some of the, um, you know, some of the the kind of silos already be broken down. How do you manage up? I mean, you're running, obviously, the CEO basically of the U.S. and Canada, but you answer to the CEO. What what advice do you have? How do you try to think about that role in terms of your interaction with him? Look, I think, you know, the, the U.S. and Canada is a really big part of, of the Uber business. And so um, I, I don't suffer from no one being interested in what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it's it's the opposite, that everyone is, is interested yeah. in, in, in what's going on. And I think really what, um, you know, what I think of in, in my role is really all about um, you know, building. I, there's this business is way too big for one person to do it, and so uh, it's really for me all about how I build up the team. I'm much more focused on how I'm building a team um, around me and and sort of a, a much broader team because you know when you have you know maybe when there were three of us. You could imagine saying, "Okay, I can do everything." There's there's a way that you could imagine doing everything yourself. When you have a team that's 800 or a thousand people, or even much much bigger than that, there's no way you can do it all <laughs> yourself, and you do not have all the answers. And so, I think really ensuring that I'm focusing on building the team around me has been honestly a bigger focus than 
exactly what the relationship is like um, in, in terms of managing up. And I think, you know, that's I think that's that's what Dara would want as well. So let's take a step back. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I think New York City. Yep. right? So you were you destined to be at Uber before <laughs> you even knew it existed? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I did spend a remarkable amount of time uh, trying to you know, optimize the the New York City subway system in my head <laughs> as I was waiting for uh, waiting for 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 trains. But I think you know, I, I grew up in New York City. I think one of the really defining things for me is from um, from kindergarten through my my senior year of high school. I went to the same very small all girls school, and I think you know, so much of there was no opportunity for doubting whether women could you know, had a voice in the classroom or um, could be great at sports or, you know, could have certain roles in a school play because there would have been no one (laughs) if it wasn't, if it wasn't a woman who played that role. And so I think, you know, that experience was very defining in some ways for me around, you know, not letting sort of maybe more typical gender stereotypes in school or in class sort of even enter my mind. I remember being in in my freshman year of college and sort of thinking it was weird that like I even needed to, that I should be thinking about, you know, what I wore to class or something (laughs) like that. You know, we were all, uh, we were all in sweatpants um, and very comfortable. Um, And did you always want to go into business or? No, you know, I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think when I approached what I was going to do after college, and even today, um, what I really thought about is, you know, where is an opportunity for me to learn? And almost what will broaden my options, not close them down. And so my first job um, out of college, I worked um, at Bain in consulting. um, And you know, for me, that was all about saying, okay, here's an opportunity to learn more about how businesses work, about what I might be interested in, and really learn from a group of peers that I felt like as soon as I walked in the door that I had met, you know, 22 people, which was my class, that were really, really like me. Um, and, and sort of like me, not just because we, not not necessarily similar, but the people, the types of people I wanted to be around. In that, in that class at Bain are some of still my closest friends today and actually some incredible um, peers, colleagues, mentors uh, who um, have gone on to found amazing businesses. Um, Haley Barna, who's, who is the Birchbox CEO, was in my, my you know, cl- start class of six. Um, Pyle Kadakia that runs ClassPass was in my class. And so these are some of my, you know, as we've all faced you know, different but um, kind of big challenges, especially over the last six years, have been actually the people I go to most often for um, advice because uh, they've been they've faced you know similar challenges you know in a different arena. Yeah, I mean, talk about that the women's network, right? We always hear about the old boys club, certainly Washington, right? It's run by men. It has there's a change I think that is happening here, but how? What advice? What have you gone to them and been like? How do I fix this problem? Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, I think if anything, what what I've seen is it's just been very, when I've faced a big challenge, and then I've seen that I have, you know, people I consider, yeah, I look up to tremendously, but I consider peers mm-hmm. um, facing the same challenges as even as founder and CEO, um, it's it's given me confidence. It's given me confidence to say, look, if, if they can do it, I can too. Um, and, you know, in, in D.C. particularly, um, 
you know, there is there's a group of women in tech um, and women in business who, um, you know, we meet regularly. Um, and it's been actually a really, again, neat way to interact with people who are in totally different businesses, totally different industries. But you suddenly realize a lot of the challenges are, are the same. Um, and, and maybe it's, you know, one of the things I think that, that going to an all-girls school um, – did is you have to you have to learn to be friends with women because otherwise you're not going to have any friends. Um, and I think you know some of on my team today, you know I'm I'm actually right now out on maternity leave, and the the person who has stepped into my role um, is is a woman on my team. The person that stepped into her role is a woman on her team. And so it's been neat to see even in um, in actually stepping back for a little bit, the opportunity that that's created for some of the strongest people and some of the strongest women I think we have at Uber. Talk about that. I mean, women in tech, obviously that's an issue that could be its own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not going to dive like too deep into that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But but, I mean, you've been able to rise in the ranks in a tech company where women have traditionally really struggled. Why do you think, or what do you think was different about you or where you were able to kind of make that leap where others haven't been able to? You know, there's no question that, um, you know, there are not enough women in tech roles in Silicon Valley. And I think um, that is, you know, and there are not enough women who are um, graduating with technical degrees, right? So that's a problem that that needs to be solved um, and one in which, you know, I you know, we at, we at Uber are trying to figure out what is our role um, in trying to solve in t- trying to solve that. But I think that's that's a much bigger a much bigger challenge. I think here, and I think one of the reasons I think one of the things that's different here, um, especially in my role, is you actually don't need a comp sci background or a technical background to be very successful. And I think Uber, unlike some other tech companies, we have there's a lot more um, complexity around what makes. Uh, this business and this company successful than just the app that we create or just the you know physical technical product that that we make and so I, I actually think it it is and should be a place that actually has a lot of women um, leaders because we have the opportunity again not just uh, to be successful because you have um, a very technical background but also to be successful because you've got a business background um, so you know I think I, I think for me. Um, you know, being willing to make my voice heard um, and not being afraid to um, to vocalize what what's on my mind and my opinions um, has been pretty critical. I think one of the things that I um, that I've learned through the years is um, my instincts are actually pretty good, um, and not to wait for you know, three or four different examples of a situation to say, hey, maybe we should go in this direction, but actually to be willing to say really early, um, this is just an idea. It may be nothing. But here's where my head is on this particular issue. So you mentioned you're on maternity leave doing double duty. I apologize, but no, thank you. No. We appreciate your time. How hard has it been? I mean, this is something that we talk about throughout this podcast and the Women Rule Series is just balance and trying to find balance or can you find balance once you have children and, and just being a mother but being a professional woman? So, you know, I joined Uber when I was 28. Um, and so and over the last six and a half years, I've gotten engaged, gotten married and had two kids now, uh, two girls um, now at, uh, at, at Uber. And I think um, what it has forced me to do is – um, is to delegate and to 
uh, realize that actually maybe even earlier than some of my my male colleagues, um, that I couldn't do it all myself. Um, and if I wanted to make sure I was home to, um, you know, put my uh, daughter to bed um, every night, which which I, when I'm not traveling, I keep, you know, I, I really make sure I do every night, um, is, is to say I'm going to uh, – you know, I'm going to make sure that I trust – I've got a great group of people around me and that I trust them to make decisions because I cannot be everywhere at once. And I think forcing uh, myself to let go of the idea that I need to be involved in everything um, takes time and it takes practice. Um, but actually having um, having a child forced – in some ways forced me to do that um, – in in a way, I my only regret is that I didn't do it earlier, <laughs> um, but, but before. But but I think it's been, um, you know, it's been an amazing experience. I I have said many times I learned more, I, I developed more um, as a leader being on maternity leave than I think I would have in the four months that I was at work because I learned I re remembered what it was like to be new at something, and. You know, when you're sudden, you know, when you go from being feeling like I really got this, I kind of know this role, I know this gig, you kind of forget about what it's like to be starting something from the beginning. And when you're starting as a new mom, you know, all bets are off. Everything you have tried in, you know, everything you have taught yourself and all of the accolades or the degrees go out the window very quickly. Um, and I think, you know, re remembering what it was like to be new at something. Um, was important and actually made me in some ways um, a better leader, better able to empathize, better able to think about how we needed to to treat, you know, and think about employees who might be in their first six months of, of being on the job and, you know, go back and, re, you know, again, reteach myself what it was like to, to learn something again. So speaking of teaching uh, yourself, I, we can't go through this podcast and not talk about the fact that you not only a, a probably, I'm sure, a super user of Uber, but you've also been, you've done driving. Yes. So how much have you actually driven, first of all? <laughs> so I've driven, um, you know, I've driven, uh, I, I don't know exactly how many, you know, maybe four or five different, um, four or five different times. When we have a new product, I like driving and trying that out. So um, we have a uh, you know, regular our regular product. When we have new um, app releases, I like to drive and and try that out. When we when we have new products, we have a, we had a commute product. You know, I, I took advantage of of driving um, to see, you know see what that product was like. Um, and you know, I think it's it's so so important as a you know because you as you point out, I've taken. Thousands of rides, um, many more than I want to admit, as a rider. And then when I drove for the first time, my first trip, I had trouble starting the trip. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you have taken more rides than any other first time driver by a long shot has ever done, and you're having trouble starting the trip. We gotta, we gotta change this experience, and we've gotta rethink our onboarding and our training, because if I'm panicking as a rider trying to, uh, as a driver, and I've taken all these rides, I've seen this done thousands of times from the back seat, to then be in the front seat and have trouble with it, we need to re, you know, relook at what our onboarding experience is like. I have to imagine that with so many people as users, myself included, you know, everybody's got a good Uber story, bad Uber story. Do you sometimes feel like you're on the front lines of kind of customer service, just getting feedback from people? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that um, 
that was, I think, really important to our growth uh, when we, you know, back in, in 2011, 2012, 2013, is everyone was doing customer service. So everyone on the city team, we were, there was no customer support group. The city team was actually the team that was doing customer support for their their particular market. And so very, very – the feedback loop was incredibly quick because if you're the person who sends out a marketing email and suddenly you get 20 emails back immediately with the same question, you're, you're saying, oh, my gosh, this wasn't clear. Or if you're – you know, you send out a driver um, email or a driver incentive and suddenly no one uh, is responding to that incentive in the way that you expected – you immediately go through the process and say, what do we need to do differently? And so I think one of the things that, that you know, maybe went, went wrong, honestly, in, in the driver experience is as we got bigger, that feedback loop, as we built out actually a support um, organization, which we obviously need to do at the scale we're at, the feedback loop wasn't as tight as it used to be. So we're in Washington. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of change uh, with the administration. How has Uber, have you shifted at all, kind of how you're approaching the administration, how you're approaching Washington in this time period? Look, I think we, I think there has, we have definitely shifted our approach um, to, in, in cities, states, countries around the world. I think, um, I think that has happened because of our own evolution um, and our evolution. You know, I think we, we used to go into cities um, with, you know, probably a, a more antagonistic relationship. Um, and what we've learned, and I think what we're, what we're seeing now is going in with a lot more partnership. Um, and that our, um, you know, most of our business is actually happening in cities and states around the countries, not necessarily um, at a federal level. But we, you know, we now have some of our most interesting uh, partnerships are actually with cities. Um, and I think we have a really neat opportunity, whether it's through data sharing, whether it's through um, first mile, la- last mile, whether it's um, partnership with cities to help um, with DUI reduction, to really um, partner with cities in a way that makes um, makes the community a better place to live. Um, we're about running out of time here, but I do want to ask, you've also really focused on women's issues. Kind of, prior- I wanted to ask how you prioritize that. Where do you see kind of in 2018 that going? Um, I think, you know, again, we, um, as we look back at 2017, um, you know, that was, that is an area that we, um, we know we need to address. Um, and an opportunity, I think, to really move forward as a leader. So we have, as uh, you know, built out a whole bunch of initiatives over 2017, equal pay initiatives, redoing our performance um, evaluations, um, uh, you know, in- improving our um, diversity efforts around hiring, inclu- improving our inclusion efforts once people are um, – once people are at Uber, um, to really make sure this is a place that women can thrive, and an organization that um, that women can you know can really be seen um, as leaders, and and a place that we can be seen um, as a leader across tech companies in being a place for for women uh, to work. Um, you know, it's been a really great opportunity, I think, for for me and for other women leaders to really be part of shaping what that looks like. Rachel, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you.